Okay. You guys ready to talk about boundaries? Good. This is an interesting topic. It's something that is probably kind of difficult. I know it's been something that's been difficult for me to get a good handle on. And I think most people in this generation have kind of a confused perspective on boundaries. So I think it'll be a very important time. And also, especially in leadership, it is vital that we get this down. Otherwise, we're never going to be the effective leaders that God has called us to be until we get a good sense of boundaries down. So I think it'll be good. Like we just mentioned earlier, though, Christ has got to be on the throne, right? So Cameron, is he on the throne? Good. Okay. Good. Yeah, make sure that Christ is on the throne and that you are fully surrendered to him, ready to get whatever he has for you today. On that note, you have some handouts here. And these handouts have some of what I'll be sharing, more of the interactive portions, but they by no means have all of what I'll be going through today. So feel free to take notes on whatever else hits you. And as always, this will be online probably by tonight. And so you'll be able to get the notes, the audio, the video very soon online. So if you need the full notes, you can get them pretty soon. Anyway, so why are boundaries so important? Anybody ever thought that? Sometimes when we think of boundaries, personal boundaries, and I'll define those in a minute, it's easy to almost feel selfish about having good boundaries. Do you ever feel that way? Like it's putting myself first or it's being selfish, etc. Having good boundaries even sometimes sounds bad because of those reasons. Now, I want you to think through a few of these scriptures with me and a few of these points, and I think you'll see some of the value of boundaries. First of all, you can't fully love God and others until you have a good sense of boundaries, till you're full as a person yourself. You're not needy, but full in Christ, who he made you to be. Mark 12, 29, 31. This is Jesus' response to what are the greatest commandments. And he says, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So here is the question. Is it possible to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength if you're allowing other people to control some of those? Get that? See, if other people are kind of siphoning off your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, you cannot actively love God with all of that. Does that make sense? So the first commandment requires that I have a good sense of boundaries in my relationship with God. And then beyond that, The second commandment is to love my neighbor as myself. If I don't have a good sense of boundaries, if I don't know where I end and somebody else begins, I'm never going to be able to love somebody like myself because I don't even know who myself is. Does that make sense? I have confused boundaries about my own space, my own identity. So the first and second commandments kind of require a sense of boundaries and a good sense of who I am in Christ, right? Again, you can't surrender to God what others are manipulating away from you. Romans 12.1 tells us to give up our bodies as a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable act of worship, right? Again, I can't do that until I have a good sense of who I am to surrender that to God. And if I'm letting other people kind of take away from my boundaries or encroach on my boundaries, it'll be impossible for me to truly surrender all of myself as a living sacrifice to God. Okay, you can't steward what lies outside of your control. Remember, your time, your talent, and your treasure, as Randy Alcorn puts it, are the different things that God has given you to control. They're different things that God has given you to steward. 
Remember the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, where each one of us, like those stewards, are commanded by God to steward what's entrusted to us. Now, if I'm not aware of what's been entrusted to me, because I'm letting other people kind of encroach on that, it'll be impossible for me to be a good steward of what God's given me to steward. You also can't give what's already been taken away from you. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8, we read, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. See, if I want to give generously and not out of compulsion, it's necessary that I be aware of my resources and have good boundaries with those so that I can give generously and not out of compulsion, but with a cheerful heart. Have you ever given begrudgingly? I feel like I have to give, but I don't want to give. Well, that's giving out of a sense of bad boundaries. (laughs) That's not giving generously and not out of compulsion, right? So I can't give what's been taken, and I can't give generously if I don't have a good sense of boundaries. And finally, guys, you can't fully serve God until you have good boundaries. This is super important. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. In ministry, you'll be tempted to do what you're doing for other people, right? Or even for your own self-esteem, or maybe even for your own ambitions. And it's kind of a terrible aspect of leadership. Andrew Murray put it this way. He said, it's not that any of us would ever say, look how much better I am than somebody else. But he says, sometimes as a leader, you just can't help but see how far you are ahead of the rest. Does that make sense? So it's not that Ashley would ever wake up and say, I am so much better than all these other people. But sometimes in leadership, when you're kind of setting the pace and you're out in front and you're living the example for other people to follow, it's easy to start thinking of yourself as having gotten there or having arrived. And it's easy to do ministry from that same perspective depending on what other people are going to think of you. Does that make sense? And it's a trap that we'll all be tempted with. And I want to encourage you, don't fall into that trap. What we're reading in Colossians 3 is that I need to do what I do with all my heart as working for the Lord alone, not for other men. Paul describes it this way in Galatians 1.10. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. In other words, if I didn't have good boundaries, and if I was doing what I was doing because other people wanted me to, I wouldn't even be serving Christ, Paul says. And if I'm going to be serving Christ, I have to have good boundaries where I'm not doing it for anybody else, but simply for Christ. Paul reiterates that in 1 Thessalonians 2.4. And then John 12.43 warns us, Jesus himself warns us about doing what we do for man's praise rather than God's. Okay? You can't maximize your impact while your resources are being minimized. You have got to have good boundaries if you're going to lead effectively. And then this is important. For us as leaders, it is difficult to help others grow without manipulation until you have a good sense of your boundaries and an ability to respect theirs. So it's good for us to have good boundaries personally as far as our own growth goes, but if you don't have a good sense of boundaries, you'll never be able to respect other people's boundaries. And what happens a lot of times in leadership is people lead with bad boundaries by almost trying to manipulate people into action or force people into action, right? And sometimes it's out of a good heart. You just want them to grow. (laughs) 
But the reality is, is I can't grow for somebody else. And I have to get to a point where I can recognize that and where I can trust God in their life and where I can encourage them and share with them and lead by example, but ultimately respect their boundaries and allow them to take the steps that they need to take or to decide not to take the steps. I can't force them to take those steps, right? And until you have a sense of good boundaries, I don't think you'll ever get to a place where you can respect others' boundaries well, right? Okay, so boundaries defined. And this section comes predominantly from Dr. Henry Cloud's workbook, Changes That Heal. Many of you did that last semester with me in the guy's Bible study. You've worked through that workbook. If you want to work through that workbook, talk to us because I can get you a copy, and it's well worth it. It'll bring up a whole lot more than we're going to discuss today. So this section comes predominantly from that. Dr. Cloud defines boundaries saying, in a psychological sense, boundaries are the realization of our own person apart from others. This sense of separateness forms the basis of our personal identity. It says what we are and what we are not, what we will choose and what we will not choose, what we will endure and what we will not endure, what we will feel and what we will not feel, what we will like and what we don't like, what we want and what we don't want. Boundaries, in short, define us, right? If you think about my house, most of you have been there. I have a fence around the backyard, right? If my neighbor came and just started putting his junk in, in my yard, you know, checking, checking engine parts over the fence, <laughs> or maybe he got back from hunting and just checked a deer carcass over my fence, right? I would not tolerate that. I would say, no, you're violating my boundaries. You can't just do that. Right? You can't throw your junk on my yard. There's a fence there. Now, sometimes since we don't see a fence in our life, it's easy to tolerate when other people do that to us. Right? When other people maybe emotionally <laughs> vomit on your life and you feel like, what can I do? I can't, I can't set boundaries. That'd be mean. Now, there's a, there's a place, too, where you want to be affirming to them and encouraging to them and supportive of them. And you can do that better with a good sense of boundaries, right? But there are also going to be times where people try to manipulate your boundaries and it will destroy who you are in Christ and how you lead and how you serve Christ, right? So boundaries really define who you are, just like the fence around my property defines my yard, right? And we need to get to a place where we understand ourselves the way I visually understand my yard, where I know this is who I am and this is who I am not. The road out in front of my house, that's not me. My neighbor's yard, it's looking pretty ugly right now, the one across from us, that's not my house. I don't like it, but th that's outside of my boundaries, right? I can't go change his yard for him, <laughs> although I have thought about it. All right, so this is a little bit of a self-test, and this is on your paper. And this self-test is going to list key boundaries areas, followed by indicators of weakness in those areas, Okay. I'm going to read through these areas, and then I'm going to read through those indicators. The areas are, one, your body, okay, obviously, uh, Chris, if, okay, Dakota's sitting next to you. If Dakota just reached over right now and put his hand on your leg, and I thought you had a sucker, took your, I thought you were sucking on a sucker. I was going to say, took that sucker out of your mouth and just started sucking on it, you'd say, whoa, that's not okay. My boundaries just got crossed, right? So your body, your attitudes. Right? Your attitudes, how you happen to be feeling today, Amanda, is not Ben's problem. Right? Uh, that's, that, that's your issue. Those are your boundaries. Right? Sometimes it's tempting to think, oh, that person is responsible for how I'm feeling today. My attitudes. Your feelings are the next one. So kind of more specific than the general aspect of your attitudes. Your opinions. 
are your boundaries. Right. Some of you, you're a Packers fan, Ashley. I am not a Packers fan. Okay. Now that is totally okay. That's that's those are your boundaries. If I came to you and said you need to be a Cardinals fan, two different sports. But anyway, uh, that'd be bad boundaries on my part, right? Okay. Your behavior lies within your control. Nobody makes you do what you do. That's that's your issue. Your thoughts, right? People can't think for you. Your abilities. Your desires, your choices, your limits, what you can't do, it's important to understand what your limits are, right? And to be able to know when to draw the line. Jake is not here right now, but he is really good at that, right? I asked him about meeting Tuesday afternoons when we were trying to come up with a time to meet. And he said, actually, since I lead praise that night, we have prep before then, and I need a good two or three hours just of unscheduled time so that I can be ready for that night. That's real good boundaries, right? But he understood his limits. I'm not going to schedule that time. I understand my limits, right? Okay, your possessions are within your boundaries. Josh, if I came up to you and said, you have to give your hat to Ben. Or to Nikki. Nikki doesn't have a hat. Give your hat to her right now. You can say, nope, it's my hat. <laughs> I can choose whether or not I'll give it away. Your actions... And what you are not, your negative assertions is what Dr. Henry Cloud would call it. Who you aren't, right? You are not, Brandon, a vegetarian tree hugger, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and it's okay to have negative assertions. And I don't mean negative in a bad way, but in a positive way where you're defining who you are, but then also defining who you are not. I am, that is not me, right? Once, interestingly, you should pray for me tomorrow morning. I'm talking about Mormonism. And once at a class here, it's an interesting situation. I'm going to try and bring in the gospel, so pray at 10. But once I kind of got accused of being a Mormon. It was a pretty funny situation, or having been a Mormon. And I was real quick with my negative assertion that, no, I was not a Mormon. Okay. So you might want to make sure that you understand who you are not as well as who you are. Okay. Now, those are the boundaries issues. Now, here are some of the indicators of weaknesses in those areas. Number one you make excuses about those, right? So, yeah, I have these bad feelings, but it's because of my roommates that always leave the kitchen dirty. Does that make sense? See, I'm making an excuse for how I feel. Well, in reality, I'm in charge of how I feel. My roommates aren't, right? Does that make sense? Even if they're doing something that I could be tempted to get angry with, okay? Or you might be tempted to feel limited by your past. Does that make sense? I've been there. I've been, I was homeschooled growing up, so I never got any kind of real education. I mean, I pretty much, before coming to school here, had to teach myself math, had to teach myself science, a lot of these things like that, because my parents could not help with math or science. They could help with reading and writing, but not math and science. And so doing a chemistry major, I felt like I had an inferior preparation in those areas. And I was tempted, whenever I didn't do good on a test, to get mad at my mom and dad. How, did, how could you not prepare me with math and science? Instead of saying, Nate, you know you're weak in this area, put in the extra time to learn, like Josh does, right? No, I was watching snowboard videos, right? I only had one person to blame, me. Okay, so limited by your past, hard to own. Sometimes it's, it's hard to really own who you are in a certain area, to really admit this is who I am or this is who I am not, right? And you find it really difficult to say that. Maybe it's a desire, maybe it's a choice. Maybe you've made some choices and it's hard to own that, yeah, those were your choices and nobody else's. 
or you're manipulated in one of these areas and you allow yourself to be manipulated in one of these areas. You might feel like you're often being taken advantage of, right? Okay, now I want you to look through this list. I'm going to give you a few minutes. Look through all those key boundaries areas followed by the weakness indicators and just check any boxes that apply. Basically, if I make excuses about my body, if I say, yeah, I know I'm not in good shape, but I just don't have time to work out. Okay, well, I'm making excuses about my body, so you might check that. And nobody else is going to see this. This is, just as, this is just for you to be able to evaluate how you're doing in these key areas of boundaries. As you work through that, I'm going to list these on the You guys doing good? All right. Obviously, this list is not comprehensive. You could probably think of some other areas where you need boundaries, and you could probably think of some other areas where you might easily see that you're lacking boundaries. Anyway, as you've looked at that, I want to ask you to be able to just take maybe the top five out of this list of 13 and write down any that you feel you'd like to grow in as far as having better boundaries in those areas. So maybe it is your body, and you want to be better at staying in shape. That is a valid thing to desire, right? You want to steward your body well. Josh, you are, I'm not kidding you, Josh. When I eat breakfast, I think of Josh. <laughs> Almost every day, you come to my mind. He eats perfectly healthy. Everything he eats is right on the money. So I want to be better at that, right? So I could easily say, well, I make excuses. I feel like my schedule is too busy, and... 
I might run on the treadmill two or three times a week, but it's not every day, or maybe four or five, but it's not every day. So I can easily make excuses, right? It can be hard for me to own that this is really my issue, right? These excuses make it easy to kind of like brush off and keep putting to the side. And, and so I could say, yeah, that's one area that I want to grow in, okay? So maybe list five areas. If you can't think of five, if you're just really awesome in the area of personal boundaries, that's fine. But this is for you. Nobody else is going to see this. So think of five areas that you feel weak in that you'd like to get better boundaries in. And later today, we're going to talk about some ways to establish better boundaries in your life. And so you could even apply that part back to this part. You could do that later at home, though. I'm not going to specifically bring up these areas later. So you'll kind of come up with some statements, and you could even, on your own, refer back to this when you come up with those statements in a minute. All right, well, I hope that is helpful. I hope it is showing you some areas. Is it showing you kind of some different areas to work on as far as boundaries? Are you seeing some of those things? Okay. It's real easy sometimes to get caught up in making excuses about my own issues, about my own feelings. We had a student once that every year we'd invite her to DCC, and she'd never come to DCC. Remember this, Russ? And she would always tell us, my mom said that she would commit suicide if I went. Remember this? <laughs> and she was having terrible boundaries, right? She felt like she was responsible for her mom's feelings, attitudes, behavior, actions. She was taking ownership of all those things for her mom. And she wasn't having good personal boundaries saying, well, I want to go to DCC and I'm going to go and you'll have to respect that. So one year, whoever was discipling her said, all right, it's time to confront your mom and really take a stand and establish some good boundaries. And she did it, and she was terrified that her mom might follow through on this threat. Her mom didn't follow through on the threat, of course. It was manipulation. She was being manipulated by her mom. Her mom today, though, having been an alcoholic in the past, is now a born-again Christian. She came to Christ. But I think a lot of that started with her daughter. And she just came to Christ, I think, last year. It was within the last year. It's very recent. And when she confronted her mom, it was probably a good five, six years ago. So you guys, having good boundaries is extremely important. So areas that boundaries are vitally important in, you must have good boundaries with yourself. You're never going to grow until you get good boundaries with yourself. Growth won't happen. You also have to have good boundaries with family and close friends, especially because they are close enough to you where they can almost feel that they have a right to cross your boundaries because they're family, they're friends, right? And you'll be the best to determine when those boundaries are being crossed and to know how to handle that situation. But I think your family and close friends will be a natural area where that could come up. Okay, you must have good boundaries in various other relationships. Sometimes, um, you know, in ministry, and I'll talk about that next, but sometimes in relationships that we have, and they're usually within ministry, there can be awkward boundaries issues, Okay. Uh, even this year, there is somebody that I felt was uh, a girl in our ministry that I felt was just kind of like invading my space a lot, you know, and she put her hand on me and stuff like that on my back or whatever, and I've just been real careful to set my boundaries up, you know. If she even gets close to me, I take a couple steps back. I'm not going to let her invade my space. You'll have to do that with various relationships where you just set your boundaries real solid, okay, and you know what's okay and what's not. Sometimes we hear girls saying, I feel so awkward when that guy 
puts his hand on me. And I'll say, tell him not to. <laughs> it's not that hard. <laughs> can you do that? Of course you can. It's your body. He should not be able to touch you unless that's something that you're okay with. Does that make sense? Right? So in those various relationships, you need to have a good sense of boundaries also. Okay. You guys, you're going to need to have good boundaries with ministry. Because out of all the different things and people that might try to take away your freedom in Christ, the ministry could be one of them. My pastor calls it the ministry mistress. <laughs> he says, just like some pastors can have an affair with a woman, other people in ministry can have an affair with their ministry, where their ministry robs a lot of what God has for them. And I don't want this to sound like you need to cut back on ministry. I think when you have good boundaries with ministry, your ministry can actually flourish. And you're, like Russ always tells us, you're going to be surviving for the long run. Right? If you burn yourself out today, you're not going to be available tomorrow. And if you have good boundaries with ministry and realize this is where I end and this is where the ministry begins and I need a break right now. Right? It's like Russ. Russ takes how many pack trips every summer? At least two. At least two. If he doesn't get them, ministry is going to suffer that year. But he knows his limits and he knows those in relation to the ministry and what he needs to recharge. So I want to encourage you with ministry to have good boundaries with people. As soon as you are leading, people will always try to, and this is not bad on their end. It's not like they're just trying to be evil manipulators. But they see you as a source of hope and peace. And they could end up making you their source of solutions almost rather than God. Does that make sense? And you need to be able to have good boundaries with people in ministries. You need to have good boundaries with priorities in ministry, right? What's important and what needs to get done with events, different events that might happen in ministry, you should have very good boundaries with. You're not required at everything and you can't do everything. Does that make sense? You need to know what you can do and what's too much and not overcommit yourself or undercommit yourself, right? Be able to, to establish your commitment and your um, contribution the right way. Time and needs, there's, there will always be more needs in ministry. And you'll be tempted, guys, to serve wherever there's a need. And you just can't do it. And I think there comes a time in ministry where we get good boundaries and we say, I can't do everything. And that's okay. <laughs> the body of Christ as a whole and Jesus as our Lord and Savior through the power of his Holy Spirit can do it all. right? But I can't. And once I realize that, God can use me. But I can't do everything. I love the pro-life movement. <laughs> Stephanie does too. We've debated that issue together. Stephanie used to work in it. Sometimes when I hear about what's going on with the personhood amendment and all that, everything in me wants to take a plane right down to Mississippi and start going for it, you know? But I realize, thank God there are people that are doing that. That's not my ministry calling. And I need to have good boundaries with those needs in ministry because there are always going to be more needs, right? Okay, a need is not a calling. Remember that. A need is not a calling. You need to know your calling and your purpose so that when needs come up, you can evaluate whether or not they're godly or a distraction. Finances, there's, just like there are always needs for your time, there are always needs for your money, and you can't give to everything. So understand what you can and cannot give to. Vision, right? You guys have heard the famous misstatement, God loves you and we have a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> that could often be the case, guys. You need to understand your vision so that other people don't try to push their vision on you, right? Okay, all these different things are some areas where you need to have good boundaries with ministry. And as stated before, you need to have it in other areas as well. So here's how to set boundaries. This section also 
comes predominantly from material in changes that heal. We can't escape the idea of responsibility when thinking of boundaries, right? So this all goes back to personal responsibility. So our boundaries define our sense of responsibility for us. They define what our lives consist of and what we are responsible for. You are not responsible for Chris's electrical bill unless you're Chris, right? And then you are responsible for that. What's that? Or his roommate. Or his roommate. Yeah, if you're his roommate, you might be tied into that as well. But the reality is, is you need to know what you're responsible for and have a good sense of that, okay? One of the most important aspects of being in a relationship and of loving God and others is the issue of owning yourself. With a good sense of boundaries, you'll be able to submit to one another in love and to your spiritual authority. Now, here's something I want to make dead certain we understand. Having good boundaries does not mean I'm a lone ranger Christian, I'm going to do it my own way and forget about you if you disagree. Because we are called to be in a community and within a structure, right? We're called to submit to each other in love, and we're called to submit to our leaders, and then ultimately we're called to submit to Christ. And so there is going to be a place where you, with really good boundaries, see where you fit in and function within the whole body in that capacity. Does that make sense? So good boundaries aren't just a way to get off the hook as far as being responsible in those structures, but rather to give you freedom to do your best within those structures. Does that make sense? And we should all be doing that. Ephesians 5.21 talks about submitting to each other, and Hebrews 13.17 talks about submitting to spiritual authority. Again, though, be careful, because some leaders will try to manipulate you, and you shouldn't be manipulated, right? You should serve out of love and out of freedom. Gain awareness of who you are, your body, your attitudes, your feelings, opinions, behavior, thoughts, abilities, desires, choices, limits, possessions, actions, and who you are not. You need to really get a sense of who you are in all those areas. Now, you looked at that list today. Many of you, that might have been the first time you've looked at a list like that. As you grow older, you're going to start to see those things much more clearly. I look back at when I was in college, and so many of the, these issues were very ambiguous in my mind. They were not very clear. But as I get older, they become a lot more clear. I know with a lot more certainty who I am not, what I don't like, what I do like, what I do want to do, right, those things are getting a lot clearer. So pay attention over time. Gain awareness of those issues. You must know who you are and who you are not, and then own and take responsibility for each of these areas for who you are. Okay, here are 10 ways to take responsibility by setting boundaries in your life. I'm going to read through them, and then I'm going to have you write out statements for each of them. So think as we're writing how they might apply to one of these different areas that we've already discussed, okay? So number one, the number one, or not the number one, but a, a way to set boundaries in your life, and it just happens to be number one on this list, is to define who you are, okay? When freshmen come to college, we often challenge them, define yourself as a Christ follower publicly, quickly. The reason we do that is because it helps them establish their boundaries as a Christian before their peer pressure that comes in the following weeks manipulates them into being something that they're not. Does that make sense? So it's defining myself. It's saying, I'm a believer. That's all there is to it. And I'm not going to be manipulated through peer pressure into saying otherwise. So define who you are. And here are a few ways that you can do that. Offer an opinion. It might be difficult for you to offer an opinion. You might feel like I can't be outspoken like that. Try it. Try to offer an opinion, not worrying about what other people think of you. Express a need. Describe yourself in terms of who you are and who you are not. Maybe even to family over Thanksgiving. Maybe think of some statements that really define you, even if they might disagree with that, right? 
to be able to say, this is who I am. A lot of students, when they decide to go into full-time ministry, their parents think, are you crazy? You know, what are you thinking? You're going to go into ministry, you're not going to make any money. And these students have to define who they are. This is my life calling. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm sorry you feel like that, but this is what I'm going to do. And I love you and I respect you, but I am going to do this. I am going to take this step, right? So define who you are. Describe yourself and who you are not. Decide to say what you like and don't like. Be okay with that. It's surprising to me how many people are afraid to say what they like or don't like or to make excuses for what they like, right? So be okay with that. Define who you are not. Establish boundaries. Don't be taken advantage of. This is so important, guys. It could be financially. We have sometimes people that will come in and they'll try to take advantage of students in the group. And we'll have to eventually tell them to take a hike, right? Because if that's their goal, right, if they just want to take advantage. But it blows my mind what people sometimes will allow them to do to them. This one student called me crying one night after a retreat because this guy had come to a retreat and he had taken advantage of all this. He asked me, can I borrow your cell phone? I lent it to him. To, he ended up having it for four or five hours. I didn't even know where he was. He made tons of calls. It was ridiculous, right? But... So I got my cell phone back, and he didn't get it again. Another student, he asked for a ride down from the retreat. Okay, so the student drove him down from the retreat. As they were driving down, he said, hey, can we stop at that bar? So the student reluctantly stopped at the bar with him. The guy then got to the bar with the student, said, hey, I don't have money. Could you spot me for a drink? He ends up blowing like 50 or $70 of this kid's money at this bar. Kid calls me the next day crying. I don't even know what happened. I spent all this money. I at this bar, I felt weird, that, going on and on and on. Totally allowed himself to be taken advantage of by this guy that all he wanted to do is take advantage of people, right? And um, So don't allow yourself to be taken advantage. Don't encroach on others or allow others to encroach on you in ways that aren't good, right? Now check this out. Refrain from saying, I don't care, at least once this week. When you have an opportunity to say, I don't care, whatever, Try to care. Try to have an opinion and to voice that opinion. It will really help you define who you are in establishing boundaries. Okay, number two, choose for yourself and respect your own choices and decisions. Don't make excuses for them. Be okay with making a decision or a choice. It's hard to be decisive. Sometimes, I think more often than not, it's worse to not make a decision than to make the wrong decision. Does that make sense? Did you get that? I'd rather be decisive and make a wrong decision then develop a habit of just not being able to make decisions. Because you can always fix a wrong decision. But you're going to have a hard time fixing a pattern or a lifestyle of indecisiveness. So choose to make decisions and to be decisive. Okay? And then don't make excuses for your decisions. If you're right, point back to Jesus. And if you blow it, be quick to admit it. But don't make excuses for your choices. Okay, become active, not reactive. This is huge. Do what you do based on convictions and then go for it. Take the step based on what you are convicted is true and then go for it. And don't live your life reactively. If something happens, maybe I'll, t I'll do something. Rather, live it actively. Choosing what you're going to do based on what's true, right? Don't passively react to other people and what they're always doing. And don't defensively react to other people and what they're doing. Take a stand. Don't just merely stay quiet and fit into the crowd. Really take a stand and be active in what you're doing. And a lot of you guys in this class, I realize this is kind of old news, you're doing that, right? That's why you're in a leadership class, and I thank God that you're taking those steps, okay? Okay, number four, stop blaming others. Sometimes we reap what others sow, 
So decide to stop blaming others, even if they are the source of your trouble. Take responsibility for that trouble in your life and be willing to accept responsibility for dealing with the effects of injury that was not your fault. All of us have had things happen to us that were, that were not our fault, right? And maybe they've hurt us and had a lot to do with who we are today. It's, it's okay to admit that, yes, I was hurt. It's wrong to make that an excuse for not growing today. So at some point, you really have to establish, I'm not going to blame anymore. That was wrong what they did to me. But for me today, I can't change what happened 20 years ago. I'm going to take some steps to grow. Does that make sense? I'm going to start growing. And I know old men that have not done this yet. I know old women that have lived, that have lived an entire life blaming what happened when they were a little kid and never taking a step of personal responsibility where they're at today. Right? A lot of this goes back, and I'll mention it again in a minute, to admitting what you can't change. This is key, guys. Being able to say, I don't have power over that. I can't change that. So I'm going to admit that I can't change that, right? But I am going to change today what I can change today. You can't change what happened in your past, but you can change where you're at today, right? So stop playing the victim, and as an adult, make choices for yourself today and be responsible for yourself today. Okay, number five, set limits. Okay, set limits. Put limits on what you will tolerate, even if that person never changes. Follow through on your limits. Does that make sense? Just like your neighbor. If your neighbor is throwing garbage in your yard... You'd set limits and say, you can't do this anymore. I'm not going to tolerate that. Right? So set personal limits. One of my limits is if I feel like somebody is making a debate personal, like if I'm debating my atheist friends and they start to make it personal, I'm done. I'm not debating them. And it often goes this route. right? They start attacking your person rather than the evidence. And at that point, I'm done. I'm not going to go any further with that conversation. It's pointless. And it's irresponsible for me to keep going. So set those limits and then stick to them. Recognize your limits of time, money, and energy. Know what they are. Okay, number six, guys, state your values. Number seven, practice self-control. Right? This is important, being able to control yourself, not just go with the flow, right? Proverbs 25, 28 says, Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. So practice setting, uh, taking self-control or... Or uh, being self-controlled. Okay, number eight, accept others. Respect their boundaries, and when they say no, don't try to manipulate them, right? Realize your separateness. You are different from your loved ones. You have different desires, purpose, and characteristics. That's okay. You can do your best to point them to Christ or to point them towards the vision, but then allow them to make the decision. Don't live vicariously through others. You can be alone. Sometimes we try to live through what other people are doing, right? I'm, I'm friends with the quarterback on the football team, right? So I'm popular because he's popular. That's not healthy. Those are unhealthy boundaries. Be your own self. And if you happen to be friends with Tim Tebow, that's awesome. Right? Cameron is. Sweet. Maybe not. Okay. Number nine, be honest, guys. Proverbs twelve twenty two. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. Okay? Truth and honesty bring people closer together in relationships. Dishonesty separates them. So don't hesitate to tell loved ones what you really think. Be honest. Right? Be honest with yourself. Be honest with others. And here's the biggest of the ten. This should have been number one. And you guys have to write this down. And I hope you will excel at this. Develop your no muscle. Okay? Say, I need to flex my no muscle sometimes. You're going to get asked to do a million different things and you're going to have to get to a point sometimes where you can say no, right? Can, sometimes it's hard, isn't it, Ashley, to say no? 
I can't do that, right? Well, practice it. Don't just say no for the sake of saying no, right? But realize what your vision is and what the purpose God's called you to is. And then when you get asked to do something outside of that, be really good at saying no. A few times Aaron and I have been asked to pastor a church. And we said, nope, that's not our calling. We're where we're called. And I can say no to that, right? And that's okay. When we were students, we got asked to lead in a youth group in town. And we said, you know, we love what God's doing with youth, and we want to see youth come to Christ, and that's all exciting, but that's not where we're called. We were serving in master plan. We had to say no. Um, It's not that I don't like youth, but I'm going to flex my no muscle and say that's not, I can't do everything, right? And I'm doing as much as I can on campus, and I'm going to set my own boundaries and say no when I need to. Okay, those are the top ten. You'll get a chance in a minute to write out personal statements in each of these. So persevere, guys. It is going to be difficult to continue setting these boundaries and having good boundaries in your life, and you'll need to persevere. Okay, so application. We'll close this out after we go through the application section in just a minute. List. Do you guys all have this on the second page? List something about yourself that you've feared sharing. And this could be either within a peer group, like, say, church, or it could be more in a social setting, like, say, a class, okay? So maybe I remember when I was a freshman. No, not maybe I remember. I do remember. When I was a freshman, I was in a math class, and they said, we're going to go around the room, and everybody say something that is most important to them. It was the first day of class. So I thought, I'm going to say Jesus, of course. I was so scared to say that publicly. In retrospect, I can't believe I was scared to say that publicly. But I was a freshman, right? And anyway, I was afraid of sharing that in this social setting, okay? And I did it that day, and I think I grew a ton. It helped me set those boundaries for who I am and who I am not. Okay, so you should list something that you have feared sharing, okay? Maybe defining yourself in a way that Somebody somewhere doesn't know you've been defined. It could be in a class just saying, yes, I'm a Christian. Or it could be with your family. It could be with your church. It could be with Connect. It could be somewhere where you need to set some boundaries and kind of say something or list something that you feared sharing. Okay, next, list a choice. We'll go a little bit fast through these so that I have time to finish up the notes. List a choice that you've been afraid to make where you've maybe been indecisive and you have not been able to really get to a point of making a decision or making a choice. Maybe you've feared what other people would think of you if you made that choice or did that. Okay? Again, if you don't get a chance to write it out, don't stress out. You have the notes. You can do it tomorrow during your quiet time. Number three, list an action that you have been afraid to take. So maybe not just a choice, but something that you know you need to do that you haven't done. So you've already chosen in your mind that you're going to do it. It's just you don't want to do it. Maybe it's a phone call you need to make. You know, I got a phone call from somebody right before we started tonight saying, do you remember I said this statement to you like five months, four months ago, something like that? The Holy Spirit's been convicting me about it, and I just want to say I'm sorry for saying that statement. <laughs> I was like, you got to be kidding me. That's the most encouraging phone call I've had in a long time. But anyway, maybe it's something like that where you've chosen, I need to do this, but it's been hard to do. So you write out that action that you need to take. Okay, number four, list an area that you've blamed others for that you're going to quit blaming, and instead you're going to own it. You're going to say, maybe I was wronged, but I'm going to take some steps here. I'm going to be responsible for what I can control instead of blaming others for what I cannot control. 
you know, for me, growing up without that math and science background, I've seen in retrospect, now that I've given that to God and I'm not blaming, I've seen how I'm, I'm not, I know that there are people much smarter than me. And at the same time, I feel like I have a pretty good mind for science, you know. And I feel like if I would have had a really strong grounding in that stuff before coming to school, I would have excelled in, in a lot of those science classes and all that. And I bet I would have gone on to something far different than ministry. I bet I would have gone on to getting my PhD in chemistry or something. You know what I mean? So now, from the perspective I'm at, I realize how God allowed that, that issue that where my parents weren't giving me what I needed to help like, me become who I am today. Does that make sense? I really feel like if I would have had that, I might not be in ministry today. I might have gone after being a big chemist or something. See, God will work in your life, even through the problems and the issues of your past, you know? So quit blaming and, and just get to a point where you're sensitive to his Holy Spirit and realizing he, he's not going to be hindered in your life because of somebody's past actions towards you. Okay, five, list a limit in an area that you have felt manipulated in before. Maybe you feel like you've been manipulated financially. People always ask, and I always give. And I don't want to give, but I always give because they ask. Whatever that issue is, list that area where you have felt manipulated. Six, list a value that you have that, you have, that you've been afraid to admit. Again, maybe it's that value in class. I'm afraid to say I'm a Christian. A student was telling me this semester, they were talking about homosexuality in class and all that, and they said, you're a Christian, do you believe homosexuality is wrong? <laughs> kind of put him on the spot. And I said, so what'd you say? And he goes, I said, yes, I do. I said, I bet you got a lot of flack for that. And he goes, I sure did. But see, he, is, he stated a value. And he is willing to stand up and say, this is a value I have. And, and I love, you know, gay people, but I feel like that lifestyle is wrong. He stated that value and defined himself. That was really good setting boundaries. Instead of just saying, I'll be unpopular if I state this value. So I'm not going to state it. Does that make sense, guys? Right? He was able to state that value. Okay, list an area, this is number seven, that you'll begin practicing self-control in, where before you have not. Again, the point of this, I really feel like if, if you do all these ten steps that you're writing down today, you're going to be growing tremendously in this area of boundaries. Okay. Listen area that you'll begin practicing self-control in. Think about someone, this is number eight, that you'll accept that you've had a hard time accepting and choose to accept them. You don't have to write this name down if you feel awkward having it written on paper. Right. One of our guys in our Bible study, we were going through this stuff, and he goes, I said, how is writing out all your insecurities? And he goes, I was so insecure I couldn't write out my insecurities on the list. <laughs> I said, I feel your pain. I know what you're talking about. Okay, so if you don't want to write that name down, that's okay. Be honest. List something that you've been afraid to be honest about. Number 10, develop your no muscle. List something that you'll say no to that you haven't felt free to say no to before. Right? It's so funny whenever we talk to students. Are you going to be at the retreat? I can't be at the retreat. I have to go home. Oh, really? Yeah, I go home every single weekend. That's cool. I'm glad you go home every weekend. You have a good relationship with your family. That's sweet. But one weekend probably won't kill you to say, hey, mom and dad, I love you, but I'm going to go to this retreat where I'm going to grow tremendously. That's just one example. 
you will have your own areas that you need to say no in. Okay, guys, I think as you apply those different areas and the statements that you wrote down, you're going to sense a, a lot of boundaries starting to get firm, and you're going to start learning who you are, and out of that is going to come this ability to really love God with your whole self and to love others with your whole self and then to serve God in ministry with your whole self, not divided in all different areas. So ministering to others with a good sense of boundaries is vital. Accept and acknowledge each other's boundaries. It is difficult, again, to help others grow without manipulation until you have a good sense of your own boundaries and ability to respect theirs. Ministry and leadership require that you give those you're leading freedom and protect the freedom that they have in Christ. You have got to do this. You cannot force them along the way. You've got to let them grow with a sense of freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. Okay? If you don't respect the boundaries of the people that you're leading, one of two things or both will happen. Okay? You can take this to the bank. Either they won't follow you, right? If you don't respect their boundaries, they might just say, I'm not following you, right? Because they'll sense God's will and they'll follow him instead of you, which is a good thing, right? So they might just say, I'm following God and I'm not following you. Or they will feel manipulated and want nothing to do with you. Does that make sense? So if you aren't giving them good boundaries, they, won't, they might not follow you. Or they might follow you. Okay, does this make sense? They might follow you, but they'll do it out of the wrong motives, like we mentioned earlier. They might follow you, but only because they feel manipulated, and then they'll follow begrudgingly. Or, I remember my first year on staff, I wanted this student to lead a Bible study so bad. I was like, he goes, I can't lead a Bible study this semester. And I said, are you sure you can't? Oh, yeah, I'm sure I can't. I have too much work, da-da-da-da-da. Well, I really think you should lead a Bible study. Oh, I know you think I should lead, but I can't. Oh, yeah? What do you think God wants you to do? <laughs> he goes, I don't know. I said, well, I kind of think God might want you to lead a Bible study. Don't you think that's important? Okay, I do think that's important. I will lead a Bible study. But I, in retrospect, I realized I was manipulating him to do what I thought God's will was, right? Instead of respecting his boundaries. That wasn't good. Okay? Um, so they might follow you begrudgingly, feeling manipulated, or they may follow you out of a desire to please you more than God. Both those are wrong. So, if you don't respect their boundaries, they're either going to bolt or they're going to follow you for the wrong reasons. What you really want to do is respect their boundaries and let them follow your leadership for the right reasons, right? Because you're giving them freedom and you're helping pave the way for them to follow God. On a side note, this is one thing I love about Russ and Linda for us staff. They support us. <laughs> I think it's crazy, Russ. I've been on staff for eight years and Russ has never sat me down and said, I want to look at your schedule and make sure you're doing everything just right. <laughs> and when you have that sense of freedom, it makes you joyful about serving God and whoever you're following, right? You don't feel like, oh, I have to do this out of compulsion, otherwise they're going to get mad at me. Godly leaders help those following them follow God. Remember Paul's example, 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Right? So don't try to manipulate people into what you think God's will for them is, but respect them, right? Special note, this even applies to issues of confrontation. A few weeks ago, we talked about confrontation and issues like that. And it's important sometimes to confront sin, to have good enough boundaries where you can sit somebody down face-to-face -face and say, this is not right. But then to respect their boundaries about what they do with it. Right? You can't force them to start walking the right way. You can't choose for them. So this even applies to that. 
gently force those that you lead to have bad boundaries to respect yours. Does that make sense? Sometimes if people have bad boundaries, you'll have to gently force them to have good boundaries with you, right? Like if somebody is always putting their hand on you and it makes you feel uncomfortable, don't let them do it. Step away, right? Or find ways to force them to have good boundaries with you. And then also, guys, delegate as much as you can to those with good boundaries who need to grow. That's part of having good boundaries. It's being able to say, Brandon, you're really good at this. I'm going to let you do it, right? And if you have good boundaries and you think that's a good thing to do, then you can go for it and I can go for it and we both get more accomplished, but all within a sense of freedom, right? So leading with good boundaries is vital. Matthew 20, 25 through 28, Jesus talked about this. And he said, godly leaders do not manipulate. I'm paraphrasing, right? He says that godly leaders do not lord it over people, but rather they lead by serving. And then he gave his own self as an example, saying just like Jesus, just like the Son of Man came to serve and not to be served. So when I lead with good boundaries, I serve and I don't manipulate. Okay, finally, guys, in closing, I'm going to run through this. I want to encourage you to acknowledge the good-bad split, okay? You could write good-bad split on your paper. Good. Okay, this is important about boundaries. Realize that no one and nothing is all good, except God, or all bad, except Satan, right? There's a good-bad split that you need to have with yourself. You're not perfect. You're in a process of growth. That's okay. Don't think that you have to be all good, right? You can recognize weaknesses in yourself and decide to change. And you can recognize weaknesses in somebody else and realize they're not perfect, and that's fine, and I don't have to make them perfect. I can respect their boundaries and help them grow, right? So understand the good-bad split. I remember once Austin and I were having this big argument. <laughs> I was really mad at him about something. And Austin just said, Nate, you don't understand the good-bad split. <laughs> I just pointed it out like that. He goes, you better go rechange that heel of good-bad split, and then we'll finish talking. <laughs> but he was right. I needed to really get this issue, right, guys? So I want to encourage you to recognize the good-bad split and be able to accept people even when they're not perfect and to accept ministries even when they're not perfect. There come times when you have to be firm on issues, but also, my dad would always say this growing up, if you ever find a perfect church, don't go there because you'll screw it up, right? It's the same thing with us as a ministry. We're not perfect. Nobody in this room is perfect. So get to have good boundaries with each other's imperfections and to accept each other for who we are and then to encourage each other in our walks with God and to do that with yourself, to realize you're not there yet. That's okay, right? He's faithful, and he will get you there, okay? Remember that with your leaders, Russ, Stephanie, and I are not perfect. Neither is Erin. It's my beautiful wife. Ben, you probably think she is. But she, she's not perfect. I have to break it to you. She's not. Okay, the results of having good boundaries, guys. I'm going to summarize these results, and then we'll close it out. You'll be able to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You'll be able to love others as yourself. You'll be able to surrender your whole self to God. You'll be able to steward and be responsible for all that he's entrusted to you. You'll be able to give generously. You'll be able to serve fully. You will be able to grow tremendously. Dr. Henry Cloud and Townsend give us the growth equation. Remember this? We've shared it before. Growth equals, remember? Time plus three. No. I mean, grace plus truth over time. Yeah. Grace plus truth over time, okay? As you walk in God's grace to you, his goodness that you don't deserve, 
and in the truth of his word, over time, you'll find that you're growing a whole lot. It's not going to happen overnight. Be patient, right? As a result of having good boundaries, you're going to experience freedom, joy, and peace, and the fruit of the Spirit in greater measures, right? Knowing what lies out of your control and knowing what lies in your control will give you a lot of freedom to work where you can and to trust God with the rest, right? Guys, uh, the biggest result, I think, is you're going to be able to accomplish your life purpose and all that God has called you to, right? Because you're not going to be getting distracted by all he hasn't called you to. Be patient with yourself, just like God is patient with you, 2 Peter 3.9. This is a lifelong learning pro- uh, process. The better you grasp this issue of boundaries, the better you understand it, the more you're going to be able to own yourself and then give yourself to God and others, right? The way he desires. And remember, the Holy Spirit is the one working in you. He has real good boundaries. All through Scripture, God defines who he is and who he isn't, what he wants and what he doesn't want. Remember Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, where God says, My ways are higher than yours, my thoughts are higher than yours, and we are not the same. He establishes those boundaries very clearly. We are not on the same page here. And he is the one working in your life to help you understand who you are in him to live a life of solid boundaries serving him. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says he's transforming you into his image. Okay, guys? So trust him and do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's all we have. And I hope it encourages you guys. We only have one more week in this class, too, by the way. So the first Monday after Thanksgiving, we're going to be talking on the 360-degree leader. So influencing the people around you, below you, and above you. It'll be a good last lesson to end on. Okay? Let's pray. Who'd like to pray? Any volunteers? Nikki? Okay, I saw Nikki raise her hand. Go for it. All right. Uh, dear God, I just thank you that we can just all come together this weekend just to learn about um, these boundaries that will help us just to grow closer to you, God, and just to serve you better in our ministries. And I just pray that you will just help us go out and um, show your love to the people this week, God, just to remember to invite them to connect and um, Thanksgiving dinner that we can just... just um, by doing that, just to show them your love, God. And just to um, this break coming up, that we'll just be able to take a, a good temporary relax and just to um, focus on you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.